episode 434, How to Podcast with Profits, Joe Sanok. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. This week, we've got Joe Sanok on the line. He's a TEDx and keynote speaker. He has a number one podcast for private practices, the Practice of the Practice podcast. Joe's podcast gets 100,000 downloads per month. He's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur on Fire, Eventual Millionaire. The list goes on and on. He's most interested in how slowing down sparks new ideas that will impact the world. We're going to talk about also, even though he's got 100K downloads, how small audience, big profits, can be done if you micro niche down. So that's something really specific and interesting. Joe is a fellow Michigan man now. Firstly though, Joe, are you ready to awaken your alpha? Oh, I'm ready. Awesome. It's quite a long introduction there for me. I'm usually more brief, but is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? No, I would say what I would add is just, uh, I'm a dad of two awesome daughters that are five and eight. Uh, that you know, I'm married to an awesome lady, Christina, that we like stand up paddle boarding and spending time together, that everything I do um, in my work is to fuel my lifestyle, but to also impact the world. And, and so I think starting with that, that then helps define what I will do, but even more importantly, what I won't do. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, so we, we both, we met at a, a conference where we were both speaking at, and we both, in the short break, we both jumped out to get on the phone. We looked sideways and we're both on the phone to our wives in Michigan with two kids, both called Christina. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <But> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, it's all coming back to me now. That's awesome. We've got a little bit of oranges there, but talk to us again. Where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? Yeah, you know, uh, I was raised in Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, went off, traveled around quite a bit, and then we landed back here in Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, it's this great Northern Michigan beach town and, uh, we just love it here. Um, so how did I get here? You know, I took a very traditional route. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor and, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm actually in an improv troupe that I just joined. Uh, so I kind of going back to that childhood excitement of acting, but, um, I think I always enjoyed entertaining and, you know, playing music, that sort of thing as a kid. And went the traditional route of uh, psychology, comparative religion, did uh, a double program in that, and then got a double master's in counseling and psychology. I had always enjoyed helping people think about their lives differently. Um, mm-hmm. Even in my friendships, I, I had a lot of great friends that were just deep thinkers and kind of challenged worldviews and traveled a bunch in my 20s. Uh, and so during that time, I think I really discovered 
the type of adventure I wanted to lead in life. So I went to Nepal, started a microfinance program in Haiti, traveled Europe by myself for six weeks and, and just saw the world, would save up money and go on a trip. And what I landed on though, in the traditional kind of counseling job was working in the nonprofit world and then working in a little better nonprofit job and then working at community mental health. And, you know, in these jobs as a foster care supervisor or working at a community college, it was the same sort of issues and knowing that I never could level up unless I became a supervisor. Mm. Um, that was everything I knew about the world was you work hard, you get good grades, um, get into an honors program, then somebody else will hire you. Um, both my parents worked for the schools, both my in-laws worked for the schools. So the idea of running a business just wasn't ever even on my map. Yeah. And so when I started a counseling private practice on the side, it was really just to pay down student loan debt and, you know, maybe to have a little extra money for a nicer vacation, make a few extra thousand dollars. But then I started reading books and listening to podcasts about business rather than counseling and started applying it very much to my private practice and realized everything I needed to know about running a private practice, I had not learned in grad school. <laughs> like I learned a lot of clinical work. Uh, yeah. I knew how to help people that were depressed or suicidal, these really important things, but just even knowing what a P&L sheet is or you know ROI, those were mind-blowing new terms for me. And so I started a website called Practice of the Practice and just started documenting what I was learning. It started as kind of a peer-to-peer, -peer, hey, I just read Guerrilla Marketing. Here's what I'm going to apply and I'll report out in a couple months if it worked. Um, yeah. Here's how I'm doing business cards in a way that stands out that's different. Let me take a picture of my business cards and I'll put an affiliate link to Moo in my you know, blog post. You know, so I, w I was making maybe $100 a month off of affiliate links when yeah. I started. And then I started podcasting. And what I had done is I looked at where, where were the areas where people already were looking for information around private practices and where were there not consultants? And at that time, there were no other podcasts about private practice other than the American Counseling Association. And that had been dormant for six months. So right away yeah. from day one, I was the number one podcast for counselors in private practice. <laughs> well, this is the thing I, I think was highlighted recently. Uh, the event was, there's, obviously there's a lot of podcasts out there, but the actual percentage of active podcasts is so small especially yeah. when you compare it to things like youtube and obviously blogs and vlogs and all sorts of stuff it is still like you can launch a podcast like that especially in a niche and you'd be <laughs> number one <laughs> yeah well and i'm all about the best return on investment for my time if i'm going to yeah. spend an hour on something i want to be able to say that was better than spending my my hour on something else yeah. so actually it's interesting because when we were at that i had just released a uh, whole ebook on 27 tips, tricks, and stats on launching a podcast. Yeah. And so those same stats, we, were, we must have read the same report. But <laughs> I had taken those stats and gave them actual items to make it kind of stand out more. Yeah. So if you look at how many blogs there are in the world, 660 million or so, if that was a six foot tall person, the difference between putting an hour of your time into a blog versus into a YouTube channel is the same statistical difference as a six foot tall person and King Kong, who's 104 feet tall. And so it's like, <laughs> do you want to have a six foot tall person or do you want to have a King Kong, which is a YouTube channel? The next step up is to even just have a podcast. So to have a podcast that isn't even active, that's the equivalent of seven Titanics stacked on top yeah, of each other. So do you want King Kong or seven Titanics? But then when you <laughs> jump up to an actual active podcast, mm -hmm. that's the statistical equivalent of Mount Everest, 30,000 feet. So the difference between a six foot tall person and 30,000 foot mountain, that's the statistical difference on the return on investment for putting time into a yeah. blog or putting time into a podcast.
Yeah, it's huge. And I don't want to date this interview, but as it happens, it's been recorded um, to back up exactly what you're saying. I'm just launching my second podcast specifically because, you know, these stats, you know, you can't unlearn this stuff. So, <laughs> and this, I think it's important as well. We're going to talk about smaller audiences and niching it down. I have my Awaken Your Alpha podcast, which, you know, is more general. It's men's development, but still niching it down. The podcast that's being launched today, it's just been approved in, in Apple, in the Apple podcast is purely for aspiring TEDx speakers. So that's, that's quite niched. And I like the fact that a lot of people aren't going to like it. And it's very clear. If, you, if you're not an aspiring TEDx speaker, you don't listen to it. So it really quantifies the, uh, the audience straight away. And it's, you can really dig in deep to one specific subject, for example. And that's, you know, the last thing personally <laughs> I want is another podcast because obviously I do a lot of podcasting, um, but it is so valuable if used in the right way and you're very tactical and strategic about it. So I'm, I completely am on board with what you're saying about, especially use of your time. <laughs> well, and you can do a podcast in a variety of different ways. I mean, you can do a season one where, you know, for 12 episodes, you walk yep. people through getting a TEDx talk mm -hmm. for 12 episodes, you know, maybe you do a season interviewing people. I mean, people can create a podcast that lines up with what their goals are. You can create podcasts in a way that align with your lifestyle yeah. rather than just you know, you have to do it every single week just because yeah. you have to do it every single week. So I mean, my process is I do my recordings and then, you know, we send it to the team and they take it from there. They do the show notes, they do the transcription, they do the opt-ins. And so having that team that you develop over time so that you can really just be the creative person, you know, mm -hmm. do what you do best and outsource the rest. The more that you can do that, then you're really in that zone of genius where you're the only one, Adam, that can show up on the show. There's probably in the coming years going to be models of podcasting that come out that we couldn't have even anticipated. Yeah. I mean, you look at the micro show kind of model where it's a five minute podcast or even how NPR repurposes their hourly news. It's a five minute news update that releases every single hour. And so wow. for me, I subscribe to that podcast because I rarely am in the car, like right at the same time that that news is going but I have it set so only the most recent one downloads. And so I don't have like 50 million I have to delete. Yeah. But So who knows how people are going to repurpose their content and have it come out to people, but it's still the early days of podcasting. Yeah. For people to then figure out how do they actually monetize it? I've been talking yeah. to some people that have been speakers at podcast movement or things like that. And the amount of people that have hobby podcasts that they could really turn into something that's lucrative for them. I mean, when we're talking about Awaken Your Alpha, I now get to work three days a week and have a four day weekend every single week. And so on Fridays, when my daughter is going through these swim lessons with her class and they need another male chaperone, I can be a chaperone, That's you know, awesome. and I can go hang out with my kids and, you know, I can start a date at four o'clock in the afternoon instead of like later in the night when I'm exhausted after a long day of work. Yeah. And so it's not just, I want to live a lifestyle and sit around and you know, make all this money. It's, I can actually do the things that to me are better for the world. Having two daughters that have a father that's engaged, snuggles in the morning, puts them to bed. Uh, that's super important for society. And yeah. so by me being able to do something I absolutely love and make a difference in the world and make money off of it, like that's what we all want because we, we just know inside that that feels good for the world and it also feels good for ourselves. Awesome. So I want to ask the question, who helped awaken your alpha? Because, you know, very situational, what you told us about the journey, getting into podcasts and that, but was there anyone either, either said the right thing to you at the right time or really just helped you think actually this is what I want to do, or it could be just someone from, from afar that inspired you. For me, I would say Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income, 
absolutely inspired me to think about how not only could I make money, but mm-hmm. that I could actually do it and not sacrifice my values, that I could do it in a way that's authentic. Uh, before him, business to me was the only thing I had done in business was I sold vacuum cleaners door to door when I was in college. And, you know, they taught us how to go into a trailer park and basically slimy sales, get someone to buy a $3,000 vacuum cleaner in their trailer and have them think that they're making money off of the deal. Like it just was terrible. And I'm like, if this is business and sales, I want nothing to do with that. So I I would say Pat Flynn for sure. Um, I would say, you know, my, my wife, Christina, you know, seeing her over the last two years, she's working out five days a week and she's gone from kind of being a stay at home mom that didn't have a ton of confidence to finding her voice and standing up for herself and not just kind of mulling over how it's going to come across to someone. She's still really awakening her own alpha. Um, but just seeing that, you know, is making me raise my game too. It's making me, you know, want to keep up with her. You know, I want to work out more. I want to be more involved. I want to eat healthier. When was a time or period or situation when it all went really wrong and you really had, it could be a long period. It could be a specific day or a situation where you really had to battle for your alpha. Like it wasn't like we talked about this nice progression and thinking of different things, but times when, you know, it's, it's a real struggle. Absolutely. You know, 2011, I was working at a community college uh, 40 hours a week and uh, then also had the private practice and was starting practice of the practice. So this is you know, going to 2012 when I launched practice of the practice. Uh, we found out that our oldest daughter had heart issues and she was going to need surgery in early 2012. So the first six months of her life, um, she couldn't breastfeed because she just would get too tired from it. And so she yeah. had to have this like breast milk milkshake where we would add formula to it. We finally got her up to weight for the surgery. And the surgery took like two hours longer than it should. And the doctor pulls us into the room and said, you know, we couldn't do the surgery because she has a left pulmonary stenosis and it would have cut off all of the blood to her left lung. So oh she's going to actually goodness. need full open heart surgery. So um, then we had to reschedule everything. We thought we were going to be done with it that day. Um, But now, you know, we push out three more months. She has open heart surgery and it's, you know, 20 days or so before her birthday. How old is she? She was 11 months old at that age. Um, You know, we're at the Ronald McDonald house at University of Michigan and, you know, she comes through it successfully. It's probably a month or so afterwards. And they say, you know, we can, we can start moving her off of all of these medications that were keeping fluid off of her heart. Those medications were making her wake up every hour to hour and a half. So that meant we were only sleeping for at most an hour at a time for a year. So we think we're done with the medical world. And uh, a week after that, I get diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And so we just get dumped back into that world, uh, go through all that. I mean, that's a whole story in and of itself. Um, successfully go through, you know, radioactive iodine treatment and thyroid removal and all of that. My wife has a miscarriage that year. Um, one of our best friends gets breast cancer and my grandma dies. And so it's like, Whoa. what more can a family take in, in one year? Yeah. Uh, but for me, it just made me appreciate being grounded in doing what I needed to do at that time. You know, it's not... I had to ask myself, why am I trying to launch a podcast in the middle of this? Yeah. And so when, when my wife is taking a nap, my daughter's taking a nap, and I'm upstairs recording a, a podcast, I called myself a nappreneur, 
uh, at the time. <laughs> you know, I had to justify every use of my time. Yeah, uh, because families are important for that. That really, you right. know, as opposed to when you haven't got kids, it's, it's, I suppose it's, it's easier. It feels easier to just not waste your time, but just be a little bit less purposeful and driven right. for certain things. And so it's like, if I spent three hours making a podcast because I didn't plan ahead versus just doing it in an hour, yeah. um, that's two hours I just stole from my wife who's supporting a husband with cancer and has a daughter recovering from heart surgery. So yeah. the stakes felt a lot higher then. But I've kept that up where whenever I'm doing something, that ROI is very clear on my time. Yeah. That even deciding to do you know, a podcast uh, interview to say, okay, this, this seems like a good decision. You know, I, I like Adam. I want to hang out, but <laughs> also to just say, you know, does this move forward the needle of what I'm working on? Uh, mm-hmm. And so that lens has been something that has been so helpful to just make sure that I'm really spending my time and sprinting when I'm sprinting, but that I'm really resting when I'm with my family. Love it. So we're going to move into the alpha round here. And I'd like to start that off with, is there a, a quote either an all-time favorite quote or one that really sums up your approach to life that um, springs to mind? Absolutely. I don't remember who said it. I heard it on the radio when I was in college. And it was, when you say no to one thing, you say yes to something else. And so that idea that I can set clear boundaries around my time, and in doing so, I'm saying yes to the things that I want to say yes to rather than just what other people want me to say yes to. Awesome. Is there a particular impactful book that you've either read or maybe more in recent times, just a favorite book or one you recommend to people? Yeah, I would highly recommend, there's actually two books. Uh, the mm-hmm. One Thing, uh, Jay Papazan and Gary Keller, mm-hmm. uh, such a great book on just looking at where you're going to actually move things forward in your life. Um, and then I would say John Broman's The Front Row Factor. Um, he has oh, okay. the, front, the Front Row Dads podcast, and um, he's become a friend of mine. I joined his membership community. Yeah, um, I remember you spoke to me about this. Uh, yeah. I think I need to get him on the show. <laughs> well, and you know, the thing about that is his whole point is that he helps people that are fighting for their lives, that are about to die, to have an experience of the li- their lifetime. So they live in the front row. They go to these amazing concerts. They have these great memories. But he then encourages the, the reader to live in the front row. Mm-hmm. And you think about a concert and the people in the front row are having an amazing time. The people in the nosebleed, they're you know, on their phones, maybe not even paying attention. <laughs> yeah. And so for me to, to say, okay, what does living in the front row mean for spring break for our family this year? You know, rather than just, oh, let's just go camping or do something small or cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's actually look at, could we create some amazing memories? Uh, you know, we're even considering buying an RV and traveling the nation for a year Ooh, and living in national uh, that's, parks. That's what we're thinking. That's what I've really? been trying to, yeah, I've been thinking of, because I keep saying about like homeschooling and distance learning seems way more accessible in Michigan, for example, and in the US than it is in England. Yeah, and I'm really. I, this is what I've been pushing, and even going we around the world. We should road school <laughs> together. <laughs> I, this is yeah. This is on my radar. I'm, oh, the I'm road schooling podcast with around the world, <laughs> or or just you know driving around America because I've really I've wanted a road trip around America. Yeah, and so I mean, get a little bit older. To me, dreaming about those adventures that we've pushed off and, and saying, okay, this is the life we've created with a lot of support from people, but now how do I live in the front row more? We might have touched it there, but having gone through some of the interview and obviously you know me a little bit, who do you think from your network would be a great interview for the Awaken Your Alpha podcast? Oh, I mean, I think uh, Jay Papazan from The One Thing, John Broman uh, from Front Row Dads. Uh, do you know so Jay, Jay Papazan? Yeah, I can text him. 
Awesome. <laughs> yeah, we met, we actually both were TEDx speakers at the same time. And then uh, when I went down to Austin for the Front Row Dads retreat, uh, he and his wife, Wendy, and I hung out for dinner and then got a movie together and got to know each other. Yeah, he's awesome. Ah, great recommendations. Um, one thing I want to touch on as well, in your podcast, and you talk about, you know, monetizing them as well, not just growing them. And something I remember from our, sort of when we was in a mastermind, give it, you, Talk about you've got you you got huge sponsorships. Is that right? I mean, I, I think I put down in my notes like hundred K sponsors. You've done really yeah. well on sponsorships for yeah. the podcast. Um, yeah. So talk to us about that. And um, obviously the early days when you're going from zero sponsorships to sponsorships. And obviously we want to talk about in the time we got left as well the kind of the myth that you have to have this you know millions of downloads to actually make money off a podcast or your business. And I think it's important to look at it as a business and just a piece of your business. Yeah. So talk to us about this, you know, smaller audiences and sponsorship. Yeah. So I would say there's three different ways that people make money off a podcast. For the most part, they usually fall in these three. Mm -hmm. And one, one is sponsorships, one is affiliate links, and one is your own products. So yep. sponsorships, uh, I completely throw out the window the $30 per thousand listens recommendation. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have the exact market that somebody is looking for, they will pay to get in front of that market. And so uh, we have counselors in private practice. And so naturally, who wants to sponsor our podcast? Well, there's an electronic health records system called Therapy Notes. They specifically help therapists write notes, bill insurance, all of that. 100% of the people on my show, if they bill insurance, need to have therapy notes. So yeah. they're not dealing with just a business podcast for 5% of the people listening. So by having such a specialized show, I can reach out to the, the sponsors that I think will genuinely help my audience. Mm. And so they give them better deals than they give other people. Um, they give them extra help. If there's something that you know, my customers want, I can reach out to their head of marketing and say, hey, people really want this feature in therapy notes. Like, can your IT team develop it? Yeah. And so it's an actual relationship. Mm. Brighter Vision website solutions, they make websites only for therapists. And so it's like every therapist needs a website. It'd be interesting that in those, you know, the actual practical steps, having that, I mean, did they try and like, obviously say to you, oh, no, 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 this is what we do. Having that confidence from you to actually say, no, 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 this is 100% my listeners. And obviously you haven't been strong and confident in, you know, the product and what you've got and the podcast. Talk to us about how that went, especially in yeah. the early days. Now you've got an established model. It's obviously a bit easier. Yeah, we have a whole module on this in Podcast yep. Launch School. So uh, I'll do the quick version yes, of it. Yes. I mean, for me, it's still, even if it's just the head of marketing that's talking to you, it's still person to person. Yeah. And so talking to that head of marketing or talking to that owner, whoever you're talking to that's exploring sponsorship. For me, I want to really understand take me through your onboarding process. So someone signs up for your website, within how many weeks do they get a website? You're, they're paying $59 a month. What's the lifetime value of someone? How long do they stay? Do, does that company actually track those things? Do they know the lifetime value of their customers? If not, it's going to be a harder sell for me because they don't have their crap together. And so if they say, yeah, we know that the average person stays five years and pays $59 a month, I can quickly do the math and say, so for every new person, you're telling me they're worth X number of dollars. Yeah. So if we could get you a hundred new people, that would be a really big step for you. And so being able to actually run the numbers with people, um, hopefully they actually understand their numbers. And if not, then it may not be a fit. Um, and then sometimes we'll start with, well, I could do you know one or two affiliate type ones, um, but I, I look for at least two months worth of income for whatever they charge. So you know, if they're going to be charging $59 a month, I'm going to want at least, you know, 
I don't know, $120, $130 per referral. So it doesn't take very long for them to realize that, you know, if I send 100 people their way and they're paying all this money that they should have just paid for a podcast sponsorship. Uh, and so actually having your audience take action, if they don't take action, they're not going to see the ROI in it. And yeah. so making sure they have a promo code, making sure you have a unique affiliate link in a landing page, making sure that your picture and your logo is on their website saying, hey, Joe Sanox, Practice the Practice listeners, we want you to know that you're going to be taken care of. Here's a quote from Joe about why he brought us on as a sponsor so that it is an actual handoff yeah. and checking in on the ROI. And so my sponsors, they usually ask, how many more sponsorships will you allow us to have? I literally had one sponsor say, can I sponsor every episode for this year? We're getting such a good ROI. And I said, no, I don't want it to be the fill in that company's yeah. show. Um, but you, know, you can have 40 sponsorships this year. And so we're charging $1,500 per episode, but then as people get packages, the cheapest it goes down yeah. to is $900 per episode. So, I mean, if someone buys 40 episodes, you know, that's just that's under 40,000. And how many, how often does your uh, current podcast go out? A minimum of weekly, um, but we usually will do eight to 10 episodes a month. Okay. So minimum weekly. And then sometimes you batch them for special yeah. occasions or different things going on. And yeah, for example, one of our sponsors, Gusto, who is awesome for payroll solutions. Uh, what, what they do is they won't commit to a year's worth. They do it kind of in, in quarter four. Okay. We want to do 10 episodes. Um, and then I'll put those episodes in addition to the ones that are already scheduled. And so I know that they're a reliable sponsor, uh, but I know that they're also going to, you know, kind of come through later than my typical system would have them do. Yeah. And with your packages, do you, is it just purely podcast audio sponsorship or then do you add other things to, you know, social media following and other things? Yeah, no, we actually, we do a pretty robust package. So mm -hmm. the most expensive one, they get the least. So if it's $1,500 per episode and they're doing a package of three, it's, it's like that. And then maybe we'll do one social media mention, yeah. but then for the next package of six or so, we'll drop it to, I think it's 1200 an episode. Um, we'll also do an email to our list mm -hmm. based on kind of the timing of their promotions. And we'll do a Facebook live or an yeah. Instagram live linking to them. And yeah. then when they do more than 10, we add it all in where they say, holy cow, it's almost, you know, the cost per episode here, we might as well do at least 10. Um, so, and usually they go to, you know, 20 or 30, uh, which then makes it a lot easier. Uh, I think also what's important about sponsorships in particular is to really understand that every single business has their own way that they do it. So for example, Gusto, I have to sign some paperwork online and then we have to submit a actual like PDF invoice that can't come through PayPal yeah. to their billing department. And then I imagine, I don't know if they print it off or what they do with it. Uh, you know, whereas other groups, you know, they'll pay 50% upfront for the year. And then three months into the year, they pay the other 50%. You know, another group, they say, well, we want to have it spread out over 12 months. So you'll get a check mailed to you every month for X number of dollars. And so just realizing that they're saying we want to pay you and you can have all the systems in the world, but also, you know, they're going to have their own system that yeah, may not fit into your system. I think it's important that like, that's a, you know, really good stand you got to now. So just for the listeners, how long has your podcast been going? Is it was like six, seven years? Yeah, 2012. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, six, yeah. I think we're about to, we're 450 episodes or so. And when you started podcast sponsorship, what your packages just to give someone like, so they don't go in and start, yeah. you know, <laughs> going 1500 an episode. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, yeah, it was a hundred to $200 yeah. per episode, but yeah. you know, I, before I even launched a new podcast, so we started the, how to become a consultant podcast. Mm -hmm. And I reached out, to the web solution that wasn't for therapists that I knew. 
and they paid for the first 10 episodes. And I said, here's the guests that I've already recorded interviews with. Here's the audience that I think we're going to have. We're going to do our best, but you know, if this thing explodes, you'll have bought the first 10 episodes. Yeah. Uh, and so do you want to take that gamble with me that I'm going to try to really make this podcast be successful? Cause I'm not trying to make an unsuccessful podcast yeah. either, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, so everybody wins, uh, yeah. but honestly, the easiest way to make money is through your own products. Uh, yes. through your podcast. Yeah. The, yeah. That's a lot more common just on the flip side. I know we don't have much time left here now. What are your thoughts around not just launching, but things to do to in them early days, especially to grow that podcast? Yeah. Early days, two things you really want to do. You want to have an email course that walks people through the transformation that you're talking about. <laughs> so for example, you know, your new podcast is yep. about becoming a TEDx speaker. Um, the first part would probably be, you know, why aren't we set up to be TEDx speakers? Mm -hmm. What is it that TEDx speakers that we're looking for? So kind of general societal, how did we get here? So maybe three emails around that, three emails around some quick wins. So for example, watch this quick YouTube video of Michael Port talking about how to speak. You know, here's some quick takeaways from Talk Like Ted, the book by Carmen Gallo. Um, let's that, make sure that, yeah, <laughs> let's make sure that you understand why 40% of your talk should be story. 40% of your talk should be research and only 20% should be, here's the big takeaway. Mm -hmm. Here's how you tell a good story. So let's give them some quick prep to be able to just become a better storyteller. Cause that's yeah. going to help them with a Ted talk. And then, you know, maybe the last part is going to be three emails on long-term habits. So here's four podcasts that are not mine that you should listen to every single week so that you can develop your speaking skills. Uh, so being able to give them something to build that trust. So then once you have at least a hundred people on that email list, that's when I would want someone to jump on a phone call with at least 20 people. And this mm -hmm. is a short 15 minute phone call where you're exploring what your first product should be. So the first question you ask someone is, what's your experience been in trying to become a TEDx speaker? And then they're telling you all the pain. They're giving you the language to sell back to them. Yeah. You know, it's been, I don't even know where to start. I'm so confused and I'm so inspired by these TED Talks. Am I even good enough to do a TED? I mean, all of that stuff that yeah. they're going through. Second, if you could create a program, an e-course, a membership community that totally answered all those questions, all that pain is just erased. What would that dream product look like? So then they sketch out what they would love for you to create for them. And then third, how much would you pay for it? And you'll get super cheap skates to say, you know, I'd want it free or for $2. Yeah. You have other people <laughs> that'll say, I'd spend $10,000 on that. But you'll find somewhere in the middle where say it's an e-course and it covers these seven things. You know, they're like, yeah, I'd pay $2.97 for that. Or I'd pay yeah. $4.97 for that. Uh, and then you can run the numbers and say, okay, I have 20 people that on average just said they pay 500 bucks for this e-course. Um, if I sold to half of them and, you know, for, 500 bucks each and 10 people bought that. If I got five grand tomorrow to create this e-course, would that be worth it for me? And yeah. you know, then you have your first customers too. Yeah. Uh, and you're building the exact same thing that they're saying that they would want you to build for them. Yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And by the time this podcast episode goes out, you'll be able to jump across to the Talk Accelerator and see how many pieces of, them of the puzzle we've got in place and how we've got our own unique spin on it. Really great insight, guys. So please do apply that to your own businesses and then potentially your podcasts. When you're able to talk about an issue you're passionate about, there is an audience for that. And so Say you're someone that wants to talk about sexual assault. You know, that's a big thing right now with the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. You you have a voice around that that's going to be different than I do. Even if Adam, you and me and someone else all launched podcasts around that topic, my point of view as you know a dad with two daughters is going to be different than maybe how Adam would talk about it, how someone else would talk about it. 
And so if you are passionate about an issue, a podcast, in my opinion, is the single biggest way for you to get your message out there with very little competition. And so uh, figuring out the passion usually is the easy part. You know, mm -hmm. we usually know what we care about and what we'd like to talk about, but, but then being in community with other people to figure out, well, how do I make money off of this? How do I actually help people? Uh, what does that look like? Uh, it's a lot of fun when it gets going. And so I think I just want to tell people that it seems overwhelming. It seems tough, but honestly, once you get going, it's so much easier than I ever thought it would be. And if people want to continue the conversation, because I just really on the good interview, it really feels like I'm only scratching the surface. What's the best way for them to continue the conversation with you? Yeah, we're on all social media under practice of the practice. Uh, we have a free uh, smart strategies to start a podcast download for people. It's 27 tips, tricks, and stats to make starting a podcast easier. They can get that at practiceofthepractice.com forward slash podcast guide. And then podcastlaunchschool.com. Um, if someone's interested in podcasting, honestly, in any micro niche, uh, we're going to be able to help them go through why they should, why they shouldn't launch a podcast, all the things that we covered in this and more, and have support in a membership community as well. Awesome. Been an absolute pleasure today, Joe. Thank you so much. Adam, thanks so much. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. Please do subscribe, reach out, connect, pick up a copy of Awaken Your Alpha Thousand Tactics to Thrive, available on Amazon. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.